Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Axe Church Podcast. This season will be a little different from the previous two seasons in that it will be an archive of sermons and Bible studies from the past several years. We see this as an opportunity to create a source for learning, a library of study that you can tune into and listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Our hope is that you will learn and grow in your relationship with God and receive the revelation of truth. God bless, and we hope you enjoy. midst of a Bible study we're starting, um, we started a couple of weeks ago, we're going through the Word of the Lord, going from Genesis to Revelation, this is a basic, basics overview of the Word of God, man this congregation looks good today, don't it? Uh, we're doing a basic overview of the Word of God, and so uh, right now we're going through uh, the dispensations, we're now have approached the fifth dispensation, the dispensation of the law. I encourage you to take notes. Um, this is this is a fundamental stuff that you need to know. It's it's virtually impossible. It is impossible to go to college without having been through high school. It is it is absolute, matter of fact that was really the only thing standing between me and college was high school. It's impossible to go to high school without first going through grade school. And uh, I am I'm amazed uh, at how many people that try to live for God and don't understand the, even the basics of Scripture. And so this is uh, basics going through from Genesis to Revelation, and you've got to understand some basic principles. The number one thing you need to know before you ever turn the page in the Bible, the number one thing you need to understand is that the kingdom of God is... Twofold, exactly right. There is a heavenly kingdom and a earthly kingdom. And so there is a spiritual and an earthly. And God deals pr- uh, primarily with the earthly kingdom in the Old Testament. And he establishes a new covenant in the New Testament. And he births the spiritual kingdom. And that is the church. That's what we are a part of today. And there are seven dispensations and uh, that's a span of time of how God deals with man in a specific way. There are seven dispensations. And if you don't understand that, when you pick up your Bible, you're going to be lost when you read. And so we are going through the dispensations, and we are now have approached dispensation number five. Now, for the sake of your notes, you need to write this down. The dispensation of the law spans from Exodus about Exodus chapter 13, 14, 15, somewhere along in there, from Exodus, the middle of Exodus, all the way through to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. So if you're reading your Bible, if you pick up your Bible and you're going to just, just read, uh, which you should do every day, amen? Dusty Bibles lead to, lead to dirty lives. Amen? <laughs> So if you pick your Bible up and you begin to read and you want to know what dispensation you're reading in, what, who, who is, what's taking place, if you read anywhere between the middle of Exodus, that's right over here at the start, all the way to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, that entire portion of Scripture, that right there in my Bible, is the dispensation of the law. That is very important to know. 
Very important to know. Because if you try to find the plan of salvation for the grace dispensation, you're not going to find it spelled out right there in that right there. It is alluded to. It is talked about. It is, it is foreshadowed. It is, it is, um, uh, the way is prepared for it, but you're not going to find it spelled out word for word what you have to do to be saved because we're not living in the dispensation of the law anymore. We're living in the dispensation of grace. And you need to know in your Bible, when did grace dispensation start? So anybody that tells you that how to be saved or tries to show you scriptures of how to be saved and explain the plan of salvation in that part of the Bible is not spelled out. Jesus Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John never, ever spelled out the plan of salvation. He told, he told how to be saved in types and shadows. When Nicodemus came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. John chapter 3. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus turns to him and said, except you be born again, you're not going to make the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be born again. But he never explains to Nicodemus how to be born again. He tells him, yeah, you've got to be born again, but he don't go into the explanation of how. He does not tell Nicodemus about water baptism in Jesus' name. And there's a reason why. Because if he would have told Nicodemus, you've got to be born of, of the water and, that, and how you do that, is to be baptized in the name of Jesus, then Nicodemus would have went out and been baptized in Jesus' name, and at that point in time, it would have done him no good because Jesus Christ hadn't died yet, the sacrifice. He, he wasn't buried yet. He hadn't rose again, and he hadn't applied the blood to the mercy seat. So you cannot find the plan of salvation spelled out word for word until you get to the grace dispensation, which is Acts, the second chapter, Okay? So you need to understand that. So we're talking about, we're leading into the dispensation of the law. Now, what begins the dispensation of the law is, is Israel has been kept in captivity in Egypt for 430 years. God delivers them out. I'm sure most all of you have heard that story in the Bible. And so God delivers them out through the ten plagues. They go through the Red Sea. They come to the bottom of Mount Sinai, and God gives them his law, the Ten Commandments. How many of you have ever heard about the Ten Commandments? Okay. Anybody here have not heard of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not kill. That's one of them. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Right? Don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. Don't be, I like the, I like the, uh, what was that, uh, I saw in the Cracker Barrel the other day? Redneck Ten Commandments. Don't be, don't be, uh, don't be hitting on your neighbor's wife. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I forget what it was. Anyway, it's cute the way it was. Ain't but one God. <laughs> Ten Commandments, it begins the dispensation of the law. And during this dispensation, there is a plan of salvation and a way that God deals with man. And that way is... Next slide. The tabernacle plan. This is the tabernacle. I love teaching the tabernacle. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna teach just a few. I'm gonna teach today on tabernacle. We're not gonna go real deep into it because of the fact that we uh, not gonna take a whole lot of time. We're gonna come back and get more in depth. The tabernacle plan was the way that man approached God. It was a plan of how that God had a covenant between him and his people Israel, and they would have to go through this plan a certain specific way to get to God's presence. And God told Moses on the mountain, he said, I want you to build a tabernacle. He gave him the dimensions of it. It was, it was uh, specific dimensions, specific height, specific width. It was made of specific material. It had pieces of furniture in it. These are the pieces of furniture right here. You had the first thing you come to was the brazen altar. Then you had the laver of water. Then you went inside the tent itself, and that was called the holy place. And inside there was three pieces of furniture. You had the seven golden candlesticks. Anytime you see anything about Jews or anything, you always see... The seven golden candlesticks, okay? Uh, you had the seven golden candlesticks. You had the table of showbread that had 12 loaves of unleavened bread uh, baked on them. Then you had, uh, uh, then you had uh, the, the, ar- the altar of incense. And then you had the veil. And behind the veil was the holiest of holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, there were specific pieces that were placed inside that Ark. And each one of these is representation of spiritual things in the church today. What's the number one rule about the Bible? The kingdom of God is what? Twofold. I'm going to repeat that and run that in the ground. You're going to get sick of hearing that. Because it's very important you understand that for you to understand things that happens in the supernatural realm, God gave us a physical mirror image of it there are things that God has placed in the church today that we can access and we can have a part of in the spirit world that that to understand how they operate and understand how they work then we can turn to this right here and we can see the physical mirror image of it God don't leave anything to chance God don't leave anything to guessing he put us a pattern in front of us that lets us understand how he works. We don't have to guess how God's going to work. We don't have to wonder if God cares about us. Well, does he care about this part of our lives? What does he, what's he going to do over here? We know what he's going to do because he's done foreshadowed everything. Now, it's also important to understand that in the dispensation, the seventh dispensation, which is the dispensation, the fullness of times, this pattern right here, this temple, or excuse me, this tabernacle, this, this pattern of furniture and all this stuff is symbolic of what is in heaven. In other words, right now in heaven, there is a mercy seat. There is an ark. There is a laver of water. There is a uh, altar of incense. There is the golden candlesticks. There is all these things in heaven. The apostle Paul talks to us about that in the book of Hebrews. He said, this is a type and shadow of that. So in the earthly kingdom, we have it built physically here. There's a tent, there's a tabernacle, there's all these things, okay? And in eternity, in heaven, we have these things, okay? Something we're going to be able to touch, see, feel, experience, 
And in between these two, come on in, guys. We're just having, but come on in. Y'all are not going to bother us all. Come on in. In between these two, we have the mirror image of it in the supernatural realm. Okay? So you can understand that. So let's start talking about these pieces of furniture. The first thing you came to when you walked through the gate, you see that, well, you see that opening? There was only one opening. Look at your neighbor say one way. Only one way in. There's only one way in. You're not going to come in any other way. Jesus said if you come in any other way, you're the same as a thief and a robber. you got to come in the door, the one way. And so when you come in the door, the first piece of furniture that you see is the brazen altar. The brazen altar. The altar was a place of death. It was a place of shedding of blood. It was the largest piece of furniture in the entire tabernacle plan. It was a place that was nasty and stinky. How many of you ever accidentally burnt your hair? Woo! Nasty. Some of the stinkiness stuff in the world is to burn your hair. This was where the sacrifice was burnt. Can you imagine putting a lamb on that altar and the smell and the stench? This is where the priest slit the throat of the sacrifice, drained the blood out of it in a bowl on the Day of Atonement. This is the place where the blood was shed, the lamb was killed. This was a place of death. And then they took that lamb and they put it on the, on the altar where there was a perpetual fire going on and it was a place of stinking, nasty death. But it was the largest piece of furniture in the entire tabernacle plan. Okay? You could not go into the tabernacle without first seeing this. The first thing you run into was that. It was made out of shittim wood. It was overlaid with brass. It's very important to understand what it was made out of, how it was made, the, the shape of it. It was the same height as it was wide, as it was long. It was square. When you placed it upon the, 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 the mound of dirt that they put it on, it was the same height as it was wide as it was long. Okay? There's no other way of entering the presence of God except by way of the altar. When we get to the New Testament and we find the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost begins to tell the salvation plan or the plan of salvation, the first thing that he tells them when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And we're fixing to have the plan of salvation spelled out in the spiritual realm. What Peter says out of his mouth is exactly the mirror image of the tabernacle plan in the wilderness. When they said, what shall we do? The first thing that he said was, repent. What is repentance? Repentance is a death to self. It is the first thing that you have to do in your approach to the presence of God. You cannot come to the presence of God without a repentant heart. If you think, that you're going to live any way you want to live and do whatever your will wants to do and you come into God's presence and then he's going to bless you and he's going to heal you and he's going to deliver you and he's going, he's going to be your little puppet on a string, your little genie in a bottle that you can rub on and you can have him come out and, and, and do whatever you summon him to do 
and you don't live a repentant life, honey, you are sorely mistaken. The first thing you got to do is die out to self. Amen? Got to have an altar. How many of you know what this is? This is an altar. I wish these altars could talk. Well, second thought, maybe I'm glad they don't talk. Some things I don't want said. I sang a song. That old altar could really talk. Oh, but it won't reveal what heaven forgot and what hell never will. It just sits there in the silence and speaks loud through their tears. Says their new life began when sin died here. Woo! Sin's got to die at the altar. You know why we call it an altar? Because that is where our life is altered. That's where our life is changed. And if you get up from the altar, I feel some preach coming on me right now. If you get up from the altar and you're not changed, then you didn't sacrifice what you should have sacrificed. Then you didn't accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. The altar is there to alter you, to change your attitude, your actions, your spirit, your, your, your MO. Everything ought to, your attitude ought to be changed. It, those things you once loved, you should now hate. And the things you once hated, you should now be in love with. It used to be a dread to go to church, but now I just can't wait till the doors open. It used to be never a thought in my mind to pick up my Bible, but since I had an encounter with the altar, now I can't help but pick it up. There's something on the inside of me that craves to read the words. Since I had an encounter with the altar, I now love to worship and lift my hands and give him praise. When used to, I never knew anything about it. Let me tell you what an altar will do for you. It'll change your life. But there is no way to enter the presence of God except by way of the altar. Got to have an altar. Amen? The next piece of furniture in the plan of the tabernacle is the brazen laver or referred to as the laver of water. The laver of water or the brazen laver. Okay? When the priest left from the altar, he had blood all over his hands. And so God told Moses, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I do not want, Mo I do not want Aaron the high priest, or any priest to enter the tabernacle without washing. If you enter the tabernacle without washing, I'm going to kill you. So there was a specific plan that once the sacrifice was killed and the blood was shed, the process was not over with yet. If they tried to enter... So, well, okay, I killed the sacrifice. The, the lamb is dead. Here's the blood. I'm going to go in now. I, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go into the presence of God. God would strike them down dead. They had to wash. And so the priest would stop at the laver of water. He would set the bowl of blood down, 
And he would lean over the laver of water or the laver of the brazen laver. It was made of brass and it was polished like a mirror. And when he leaned over it, he saw the reflection of himself. And then, how many of you, how many of you here have ever uh, skint an animal before? Have you ever killed an animal, skinned an animal? All right. Y'all know. How many, how many, when you got through with that, you had blood all over you? All right. And when you washed your hands, what happened to the water? Turned red. Couldn't see through it. So this priest would come with bloody hands and he leaned over that laver of water and when he looked down, he saw himself through the water. But when he began to wash his hands, the water turned to blood to where he could no longer see his own reflection. All he could see was the blood. When Peter on the day of Pentecost said, repent, that's the altar, and be baptized, he immediately leaves the, laver, the, the, the brazen altar and goes straight to the laver of water. This is symbolic of baptism and exactly what happens to you when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Because when you go under, he sees you until you go under that water in the name of Jesus, when the name of Jesus is called, then that, then what you're doing is, is you're turning that water to blood and he no longer sees you. All he sees is the blood. But notice what he said in the tabernacle plan. Do not come in without washing or I'm going to kill you. There's a lot of people trying to enter in without washing. It's dangerous to get in God's presence without washing. I'm trying to not preach here while we go. <clears throat> Your sins are forgiven at the altar of repentance, but they're washed away or remitted in baptism. Let's read a couple of verses of Scripture. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Let's read that. Turn in your Bibles. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. When you get there, say amen. Peter says, and now, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul says, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. And what happens when you're baptized? Wash away thy sins. How do you do that? Calling on the name of the Lord. In Acts 2 and 38, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus for, key word is for, the remission of, your sins or the removal of your sins. So that is the washing away of your sins. Okay? Last words of Jesus is this. He that believeth and is baptized. Okay? The last command of Moses was wash at the labor that you die not. That's found in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 20. Exodus 30 and 20. So we have a symbolic picture in the old. Throw, Brother Mike, throw that slide back up there of the tabernacle, please. Go back a couple slides to the tabernacle. We have a picture of the tabernacle plan. I've got so many things. I'm, I'm out of time for Sunday school. We're going to begin worship here in just a minute. But I've I got so many things I want to show you about this. This is so important to understand the tabernacle plan. The dispensation of the law is so important to understand and wrap your mind around. This plan of salvation that Jesus Christ instituted, his death, burial, and resurrection, is not a happenstance plan. 
It's not a second thought plan. It is something that God foreordained. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the world. God didn't have to react to Adam's sin. I want you to understand that. God did not have to react to Adam's fall in the garden. God already had a plan in place before Adam ever ate of the tree. He already, he knows the end. Huh? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows how this thing's going to end before he ever starts. He done got it planned. I could preach right there just a minute. That, that, that ought to encourage us to understand that when tomorrow I get up and I face the devil and he knocks the props out from underneath me and I've got this trial and this heartache and this temptation and this snare and this difficulty and this everything else, God was here before the devil, so that tells me that the answer was here before the problem ever came. <laughs> That's so good, ain't it? Let's stand to our feet and let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's pray that the understanding and revelation of the word of the Lord would just get in our hearts. Can we do that right now? Lord, we thank you for your word.